Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in to Shot and Vip. We've been off on a break with Carolina off, but this is a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season by Johnny T-Shirt, co-hosting this. I'm Taylor Vipolis, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schottmer. I've missed talking to you. I really haven't missed watching this North Carolina football team. And they go back to the Dukes Mayo Bowl. They lose 30 to 10 to West Virginia. UNC finishes eight and five on the season. We'll talk about this game and then we'll talk about North Carolina big picture. But overall, what were your takeaways watching this game against the Mountaineers? Another predictable, ugly performance. You know, just another brutal finish to the season. Four years in a row now. Um, just the, the, the thing that bothered me the most about this game was it wasn't that, you know, we didn't have a lot of fans in the stands. It wasn't we were playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It wasn't that we lost. It was like we didn't go down swinging. Like we had nothing to lose in that game. You know, we're down 12 starters. We're down, you know, Drake May, Cedric Gray, our two staples on both sides of the ball. But like we didn't do anything to like, try to win the game like like to the extreme you know it just looked like the same offense defense and special teams that we've seen you know all year you know it felt like we just tried to plug and play and do the same thing on both sides of the ball plus special teams like you hear coaches say all the time you know we're not going to change our identity regardless of the personnel and i think that's so archaic i think it's just asinine like we did the same thing on offense and defense that we have all year, but we got different guys playing, like run some trick plays, be aggressive, onside kicks, different defensive schemes, run some different blitzes. Like I don't think our fans were expecting us to win that game. I don't even think our team believed we could win that game, but like do everything you can to try to go down swinging. And we just didn't do that. We just looked bland and basic and yeah, not good. Yeah. Expectations 
going into this game with with everybody out were were certainly low. Um, a, a West Virginia team that was going in the opposite direction a, as your opponent. But I, I think, like you said, my biggest problem with this North Carolina team is that you, you know they it, <laughs> like. I think the thing that kind of highlights it is you you look at some of the players' snap counts, and Carolina they don't have Kamari Morales because of uh, the transfer portal. Copenhaver's injured, Bryson Nesbitt's injured. That's your your top three tight ends, all unavailable for this game. And you look at the snap counts, and you have a a, a true walk on playing forty snaps for for the first time all season, and you're, you're trotting him out there like like he is Bryson Nesbitt, like he is. Copenhaver, where he he's high up on, on Connor Harrell's on on his reads and, and going through his progressions, where it's like can can we get more creative with personnel? Can we go four wide receivers? You you look at the snap counts where Deems May plays forty snaps and and somebody like Chris Culver, who is a, a scholarship guy that you're going to be counting on later on down the road, plays four snaps, and it's like I, I think that's where the most frustration comes in from the fan base where. It, it just and it's and it's been a trend for this team the the past like month of of the season for the past like three years the coaches just do not put this team in positions to win where I, I have I have this stat from um the past three finishes to end the year 2021 Carolina finishes the, their last five games against power five opponents one in four they lose to state they lose the ball game. 2022, one and four to finish, lose to state, lose the ball game. And then 2023, one and four to finish, you lose to state, you lose the ball game. And going off that trend, if things continue to go down the same path, when your coaching is what wins you games late in the season, when teams have more tape on you, 2024, their last five games against power five opponents, they'll probably go one and four, lose to state, lose to a bowl game. And that's if they even make it to a bowl game. Because I, I think one thing that you kind of see watching this team is that there, there's a lot of holes for this team. And somebody like Drake May and, and like Sam Howell has has kind of um, covered up a, a lot of the weaknesses for this team. And you're watching this North Carolina team yesterday and you're like, what what is this team's identity? What what can they hang their hat on? Because for for since since Mac Brown has come back, their this team's identity is we have an NFL quarterback and, and you most likely don't. And we're gonna see if, if that quarterback can make more plays than yours and, and win the game. But outside of that, when you when you take that away, that's why I've drawn comparisons to the end of the Fedora years, the the 2017, 2018, where Yes, the recruiting is better, but but what we're putting on tape for, for this North Carolina team isn't really it's 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 not better. It's it's not better. And anybody who's saying like, oh, they're starting six and zero, like whatever, like the way they finish the season is more indicative of of who a team is and, and who a team can be. And next year, you don't have the the safety blanket of of a Drake may and you got to look into that future. And I, I, I do think Connor Harrell showed some flashes um, yesterday where, where you see the talent he has um, the explosive athlete, big arm, 
a lot of throws that he probably wishes he had back, but I, I don't even think you could really properly evaluate how he played because of how bad like Carolina's offensive line is where, where West Virginia has seven, where West Virginia has seven sacks, but um, more specifically from this game, I, I think there were, there were a lot of things that have been consistent that we've seen this year. What were some of the things that we've seen throughout this year that again, popped up in this West Virginia game? It's the same four or five things, man. Death taxes and these that I'm about to list are, you know, they're consistent. So anytime we face a running quarterback or a quarterback with any sense of mobility, you know, we can't contain them, whether that's in, in the run game design quarterback run, or it's, you know, we're, we're pressuring the quarterback and he eludes a blitzer and now we're covering downfield and there's no second level defenders and he rushes for 30 yards, you know we have not been able to contain a running quarterback in years. That's number one. Uh, two is we make boneheaded penalties when, you know, in important parts of the game that cost us in key moments. And, you know, the, the one that I, you know, I'm thinking about is right before the half, West Virginia, we just scored. J.J. Jones has a great touchdown. I think the score is 14 to 10 at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, 27 seconds on the clock. We got some juice for the first time all game. And the first snap that West Virginia comes out, I truly don't even think they're trying to go down and score. I think they're just trying to run out the clock because it doesn't look like they have some great tempo. The quarterback, which every quarterback does on his cadence, is he claps. Boom. He claps to try to get the defensive line to jump. We had three of our four starting defensive linemen jump. And that created an offsides. They throw up. They throw up a uh, you know a thirty yard free play to get the drive rolling, and which ultimately leads to three points. So that same clap that our defensive line has seen for years, okay, even since when I was coaching, they had that issue in practice. They would jump all the time. Of you know Sam Howe back in twenty twenty one would clap in practice, and our four D linemen would jump. It was the same guys. It was Rucker. Who's a who's a four year player? Des Evans, four year player, and it was Miles Murphy. Like, if those guys can't get a simple thing corrected in four years, like the most simple basic thing of watching the football as a defensive line, like it is mind blowing to me, mind blowing that we allow that to happen. And I'm getting so heated over a offsides play, but that's the microcosm of the whole year. Like something that small turns into three points 27 seconds later because we have no discipline to watch the ball. It is so insane. Anyway, um, our, our offensive line can't hold up against a traditional four-man pass rush, let alone any type of stunt, blitz, five-man pressure, six-man pressure, cover zero blitz. Like They can't even hold up on, on a straight four-man pass rush. And simple math, guys, how many offensive line are there? There's five. A four-man pass rush, we have a one-man advantage, and we still can't get it done. Uh, let's see, what else? Special teams. You know, we, we give up game-changing plays every game. Like, if we were just And not a, just one. Not just one. Multiple game-changing multiple, plays. Multiple. If we were just a average-as-grit special team, like, we didn't make any explosive plays on our end and we didn't give up any, we would win a lot more games. But our problem is – we don't make any game-changing plays, and we let up one or two every game. So it's like 
we are shooting our all right turnover on punt return right uh the ball bounces off you know someone's heel as they're blocking that was a kind of a fluky play but like the punt returners gotta gotta be yelling peters gotta be loud demonstrative like that should never happen uh the punt return touchdown 75 yarder right before the half backbreaker and then and then just for good measure hey west virginia let's do let's do a fake field goal in the fourth quarter because we know that they're undisciplined and you know we can extend the game and run this run the clock out ultimately they ended up only getting a field goal out of it but like it was just kind of like rubbing it in our face that you know we're it was it was it was them punking us yes 100 percent. so those four things you know can't contain a QB with mobility, boneheaded penalties, offensive line can't hold up, you know, special teams, trash, you know. I think the the the, the mark of the culture of a football program is special teams. It, I mean, truly, like, if you don't have good special teams, you don't have a good team. Name any top 15 team in the country and they're going to have, I promise you, they're going to have good special teams. Granted, our field goal unit's been great all year, but that's basically because of one guy. All the yeah. other special teams units have been below average to trash. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, think, I, I, I think Noah Burnett, when you talk about anything that's redeeming on special teams, it's Noah Burnett and the field goal operation because the, the punting – I, I've I've never seen a team who one can't get a punt off as as often as Carolina does, and two, when they do get a punt off, it looks like it's going like thirty yards. Like th- their net average was dead last in the ACC, and, and they the punt where uh, Bishop returns it for West Virginia is essentially just a line drive to him. For by the time he catches it and makes one move. Five people are are already behind him and, and out of position. And then the 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 next six guys are like your shield and your punt your your punter who has absolutely no shot to make it. The some of the other points you mentioned where the defense um to end the first half, I, I thought there were moments where the defense looked good and, and they looked like a, a unit that had some things figured out, especially with without Cedric Gray and, and not having his impact. But a, a trend that we've seen this season, when this defense needs a stop, they can't get it. They, there's, what, 27 seconds, and West Virginia has, I think, one or two timeouts to go the full length of the field. And they get down there in, in you know, 15 Three seconds. Three plays. Yeah. They get down there with, with plenty of time to spare. And the other point you mentioned, the offensive line, it's again, like I I think Connor Harrell did show some things, but you can't properly evaluate how he'll do next year as the quarterback for, for the Tar Heels when you bring in somebody like Max Johnson from, from Texas A&M. And if I'm playing quarterback right now, Carolina, or, or I'm sending a quarterback out there right now to play at Carolina, it's like, good luck because those guys if you cannot block four people with five and sometimes six with a running back staying back, like how, how are you supposed to play quarterback? And, and when that quarterback isn't Drake may with NFL arm talent, when that quarterback isn't Sam Howell with NFL arm talent, like I think 
I think for for North Carolina, we've we've kind of just gotten used to having one of the best quarterbacks in the country, which which is not something that every team has. And I have this stat here uh, from Greg Barnes on Twitter. UNC allowed seven sacks against West Virginia, which gives it 37 sacks allowed on the season. The Tar Heels are the only program in the country to have allowed at least 34 sacks in each of the past five years. Two offensive coordinators in that span, three offensive line coaches, where, again, like it, it kind of goes back to the – This is what the, we talked about a couple weeks ago. With the defense. Yeah, with the defense and – like we've had multiple coaches over Max tenure, and it's the same result. Like it's we're trying to try something new, but the end, end product stays the same. That Yeah, that's why – like you could say bring in a new offensive line coach. They, they did that multiple times. Bring in a new defensive coordinator. They have done that. Bring in, like, replace the cornerback coach, replace this coach, replace this coach. These are all things North Carolina has tried to do. And every year in December, it's a program that is looking for answers, and they try to find answers, and they they don't have answers. And there's, there's a certain part of the fan base where it's like, Eight wins. Eight wins is good. Eight wins is not something North Carolina has had before. North Carolina also hasn't had generational talent at quarterback. And, and when you when you don't have that to cover up, we'll see we'll see which which part of the the fan base is right when they're saying like, no, you should be happy with eight wins. When the other half of the fan base is like, hey, we've been recruiting at a top twenty five level every year and we cannot finish in the top 25 no matter no matter how many wide receivers we put in the nfl no matter how many running backs we put in the nfl no matter how many quarterbacks we put in the nfl cedric gray is going to be an nfl player like there is nfl talent on this north carolina team and you can't tell me like i know west virginia didn't have the the same level of opt-outs but again north carolina's been recruiting at, at a top 25 level Maybe they haven't developed the talent, and there there's players who are contributing to that top 25 recruiting ranking that, for whatever reason, just aren't getting opportunities at, at North Carolina. But like, you you can't tell me with like a straight face, North Carolina and West Virginia, that the talent gap between those two teams um, on Wednesday was 20 points. Like like. It, it it's just not and and what's what's contributing to that is is your development is your coaching is your execution of your game plan um yeah i, I think i think we're both fired up because i i think we both fall on the side of like this team should be so much better they like just flatly they should be so much better but when when you watch when you watch the the carolina offense what we're what were some of the things that you kind of took away? Because I, I had mentioned earlier about Connor Harrell. What did you kind of see from him and him leading the offense? Yeah, start with start with Harrell. He he showed me some some flashes. He's got some juice, um, especially when he runs the ball. He he is way quicker and you know got an explosive first step more so than I realized. You know, I saw that touchdown versus Campbell and he took off, but you never really know because Campbell's full full of slaps. 
he shows potential for for a good deep ball. The one he threw to Gavin Blackwell was 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 great. Great trajectory, great ball placement, just everything about it looked awesome. You know, the the fade to JJ Jones in the end zone for the touchdown was great. Um, what he needs to do is it, he needs he he has some pocket presence issues, which is expected from a young quarterback. You know, he wasn't really going through his 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 uh, progressions very efficiently and quickly. Um, you know, his footwork in the pocket was he got he got you know kind of quick feet at times. Um, but he he showed flashes like he's going to have a chance to win win the job next offseason for sure. Like uh, with a beat up offensive line too, like he was kind of running for his life at times. I think half of the sacks probably were his fault, you know, but still your the offensive line gave up four sacks, even if you, you take out the ones that, you know, were probably on Connor. Um, but he showed enough that he should get every opportunity to compete for the starting job in the, in the fall, just because of, I, I think the main thing is his mobility and his, his ability to create off schedule. Um, there's no answer for that in college. Like you look at, look at Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Like you cannot replicate how important a quarterback with mobility and, and being able yeah. to like make, make guys miss just when plays break down. Like you having an athlete at the quarterback position is, is such a blessing. Um, so that alone will give them a chance running back. I don't need to talk about, we know what we got in Hampton. We're going to need to find another guy to, you know, be a one, two punch with him, but you know, he's an All-American. Uh, receiver, I, they're just average to me. Like, I, I don't want to be mean or rude or – this is just the eye test. You know, J.J. Jones has been very consistent all year. Like, he's a, he's a he's a really – he's a good college player. I don't think he's, like, an elite number one or a number one. I think he's better as, like, a, a second fiddle guy, like a number two. Um, but – you know, Blackwell, he showed some explosive, but he, his his problem's been consistency. Like, he hasn't played all year, you know? So, like, yeah, he's getting older, and maybe he'll, he'll take the next step. Like, he's got some ability, but, like, I don't, I don't know. And then McCollum, like, he showed flashes in one game this year. I think it was Syracuse, and we haven't really heard from him since. He doesn't, he doesn't do much, you know? For a guy that's been around and made plays in the ACC for four or five years, like, I expected more out of him. Um, so that's kind of where we are with receivers. I think, uh, you know, the young guys, Hamilton and Culver, like they got some ability, but we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I, yeah, I think the biggest thing with Carolina's receivers is you, you kind of made this point, but they, they have a lot of twos and threes. They, they don't yeah. have they don't have the one that, that Tez Walker was. They don't have the one that um, – somebody like like the Ami Brown was or like like a, a Mac Hollins or a Daz Newsome where they're just missing that explosive player. They, they have a lot of like possession type guys and guys that, you know, you can you can count on sparingly, but that you don't have that guy who could go for like 10 catches, one one fifty plus yards. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, tight end position. You know, we have great tight ends. That was our strength coming into the season. Obviously, they didn't play, so I'm not going to say anything about them. O-line, we already talked about them. Um, you know, they don't consistently get pushed in the run game and give up a bunch of sacks. That's not a good recipe. So, yeah. I, um, I, 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 like, going into the offseason, I don't know what truly fires you up about next season other than Hampton, you know. 
Yeah. Other than that, I think it's I think it's a six and six at best supporting cast. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it, it, this felt like the year for for Carolina to to capitalize on a lot of the talent they had and and talent at your most important positions. And going going into this offseason, I think you're right. You're you're the only thing you have to hang your hat on, really on on either side of the ball is somebody like Kamon Rucker who who gets after it. And when you have officials that are gonna call holds like the officials um in the Mayo's bowl did, he's gonna be a player that that can kind of change a game defensively. And then it's somebody like uh Omar and Hampton, who's a 1400 yard rusher second in UNC single season for rushing yards in in a single season and if you can keep those players and you can continue to develop those players those are at the very least building blocks for a a good team for a a bowl team but when you're looking at how many holes there are elsewhere where Mainly, mainly offensive and defensive line is is where this team really struggles and struggles in the trenches, and which kind of takes me to the the defensive side of the ball. Didn't see enough plays made on defense, even though there there were some moments where the defense did make a, a few stops here and there, but kind of kind of starting right off the bat with with that first play that goes for 75 yards. I, I don't think any Tar Heel fan watching was, was surprised when, when you get that from, from your defense. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, we gave up 30 points, but technically only 23 because the special teams gave up seven. Okay. We gave up 300 and something yards. Like if you would have told me pregame that we give up 23 points and, you know, under 400 yards, I would be pretty, pretty, please just due to the fact that the last time I saw them perform was NC state. And that was as bad as Getting you can play. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we did, we, we did make some, some plays. So the thing that bothered me is the first play of the game, it was a basic play action pass cross country route. Um, I, I have not watched one snap of West Virginia play all year, but I am certain that that is one of their, you know, one of their go-to plays. Granted, we may not have thought that it was run going to be run in the first play of the game, but look, they they show some tendencies. They they motion guys in to condense the formation, like all the stuff that triggers my brain into like, okay, here's what's coming. They they showed it. Um, and if I, if I'm just a fan watching this on the couch, like I'm sure we practiced that that same play uh, twenty times in bowl practice. So whether it's, you know, the coaches not being able to, to get it across to our players, players executing, like, that's ah, that's bad. It's bad ball to score on the first play of the game. But we did bounce back and, you know, played some decent ball throughout the first half. Um, D-line, I wanted to see more out of them. Rucker made a few plays. Murphy didn't do anything. Dez didn't really do anything. Uh, Hester, you know, those guys didn't stand out. Um, so Amari Campbell – um he had he had a couple splash plays you know he, he showed some flashes uh he kind of was up and down though but look he, he young guy in his first career start like i think we got a pretty good player there obviously power returns um dbs 
you know, same old, same old. Obviously, we get burned in the first play of the game. Um, Caleb Cost in his first start, he was he was very volatile too. Like he had two two blitzes where you know one he missed the quarterback completely, and then one he you know kind of ducked inside and quarterback escaped and made a big play. Uh, but then he did bounce back and have a big stop on third down and showed some aggressiveness in his willingness to tackle. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what you expect out of a first-year guy, especially in his first start. Is really his first uh, live action because he hasn't played much yeah. all year. Uh, Stick Lane, you know, you know what you get with him. He's 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 limited physically, but he he's a good tackler, and he's um, you know I I think he's a role player. I don't think he's an all ACC starter by any means at all. Um, corners, you know, Marcus Allen shows some flashes again, but. Um, just overall, like, I, and leading into next year, like, I think it's very similar to the offense. Like, you have some a couple really good players, and then the, the rest of the crew is just, like, you know, six and six level, five and seven level talent, I think, or, or, or what they've shown. Obviously, I'd love them to develop, um, but I just – I don't see tons of pieces that you get truly really excited about that you're like, we're going to be significantly better, you know? Yeah. Uh, 11 starters played over 30 snaps on on defense. Any guess who had the highest grade out of those uh, 11 players defensively? Rucker? Close. Uh, Caleb Cost. Caleb Cost, nice. (laughs) In his first... Uh, extended action. His grade was a 76.2. Uh, pretty good grade. He, he had some some flashes, and I think I think that who was number has, two? It was uh, Power Eccles. Okay. Um, but I, I think that's kind of been another problem with this North Carolina team, where Caleb Cost has to play, and he goes out there and. He's going to have ups. He's going to have downs, but he's out there learning and making effort plays and flashing here and there. It's like, how hasn't he had an opportunity to play before? Because what it feels like is this North Carolina team struggles to finish. And then you look at the snap counts and everybody's like 50, 50, 50, 50, 60, 60, 60, 70. And you're like, all these guys are just playing so much. And then people come in the 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 Bo Atkinsons, the Caleb Cost, the Marcus Allen last year, where now he's the starter, uh, um, Campbell at linebacker, where it's like, why is everybody on this North Carolina defense, a defense that's trending backwards, back towards those those hundred rankings that we saw last year, why is everybody's snap count in the the seventies, the eighties, the nineties when when they're they're not only not producing, but it feels like they're they're hurting the defense. And then you do have guys who come in and and show like what they can do in, in a limited role and be able to hold their own. And not not in the sense of like Caleb Koff should be starting for for the rest of eternity, but like can 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 he find five snaps? Can he find 10 snaps here? You know, 15 snaps here or and one of the things that we kind of talked about in previous podcasts, where if if you have somebody with a penalty, to just take them out for a second and be like, hey, j- 
just just go on the sideline, kind of compose yourself, figure out like what you did and, and why you did it. And, and it's also a you're seeing North Carolina lose people to the transfer portal in this new era of college football because they're not playing. And everybody goes to college football because they want to play. And if you're hey, if you're at a school, for you. did did that? Travis Shaw play last night? Uh, six snaps. And Bo, Atkin, <laughs> Bo Atkinson played seven snaps. That's tremendous. And it's it's like if, it. if I'm going to, if I'm going to North Carolina, or if I'm going to any school in the country, and I'm looking at the linebackers and your linebackers are playing 97 and 95% of the snaps. And the next year, when, when one of those guys moves on, they're playing the, the next guy is now playing 97% of snaps. And the next guy's playing 95% of snaps in this era of college football, you are never going to keep people with, with that lack of rotation and, and not developing your depth. Like a, a lot of people would much rather, not be the the second or third string on a on a 500 ACC team they would much rather go down a level and be and try to be the guy at, at like one of these group of five schools or, or a school that is going to at least display their talent because you're not getting to the NFL this isn't this isn't the the USC backup quarterbacks in the early 2000s where they're getting drafted um being like Matt Leinert's backup like you, you have to be able to, to put film on tape to to make it to the next level, and everybody's going to college to to try to make it to the next level. You can you can be the starting defensive tackle at Bowling Green and go first round in yeah. 2023, 2024. You can be the starting cornerback for Toledo and go first round. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't have to go to USC, Georgia, Texas. Like they're gonna find you. There's enough. There's enough scouts out there. Exposure, social media. We got access to everything that like that we're, we're getting off track. Let's yeah. But, and, and, yeah. And it's, it's it, not even like, it's not even like you have to be like in a regular rotation player at a school like North Carolina. It's just like, do the coaches show that they believe in me? Do the coaches show that they trust me? Do the coaches show that I have a future here? And when you're playing people 95% of snaps and, and you're you're not rotating and, and you're not developing depth like what why 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 would you just why would you just hang around just just to be a part of a team uh but we will talk about big picture for this north carolina team further but let me take a quick break to remind everybody about johnny t-shirt if you didn't get johnny t-shirt something from johnny t-shirt for christmas it's not too late get that person in your life the carolina apparel they could want now that basketball season is in full swing at Johnny T-Shirt, they have everything you could possibly want. The T-shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it, they've got it. They've got the cold weather gear as we get into the new year. If you're going to be on Franklin Street, visit them. If you're not, you could go online at johnnytshirt.com. It's great people, great customer service. And don't forget, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We've we've done a lot talking talking big picture and and not just this West Virginia game, but where where are you at with with this program looking looking at it a step back just from from the Duke's mailbox? I think we're at a stalemate. We're at a crossroads, you know, we're, there's got to be changes some, somehow, some way. Um, you know, I, I think we talked a bunch about it after, I think, either the Clemson, uh, the Clemson podcast or the, the NC State one. It's just, you know, we're stale right now. You know, a couple years ago, we were the hot thing and exciting. We were recruiting really well. And, you know, we had some on the field success to back it up. Right now, you know, we're we're coming off of eight and five season. You know, we don't have the top fifteen recruiting class that we once had. Um, we don't have the generational quarterback in our stable. Um, I think this off season will have less juice than you know any off season I can rem- remember back to maybe twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. You know, like yeah. I don't see much excitement, if any, like for next year. Like, I think our, our, you know, peak or our, the best, you know, the best we can be next year, in my opinion, obviously there's eight months of development that has to happen, but like six and six, I think getting to a bowl game is, is a huge success for next year. If, if everything stays the same, yeah. um, you know, you talked about it a little earlier in the podcast, like, because of the exposure that recruiting rankings have have had in the last 10 years, you know, with ESPN and 247 Sports, like all, all of our fan base and, you know, they know all these recruits, they follow the recruiting rankings, and it, that's a competition in the offseason itself, right? We've recruited very well since Mac has came back. You know, granted, I think we've been top 10 one year. Like we've been consistently 10, 12, 15. I don't know the hard numbers, but it's been in the top 25, I think, four out of five years or three out of four years. Yeah. And, and our end of the season results and our on the field success does not correlate with our rankings. And you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but the other thing, like we've been ranked in the top 15 at some point in the season, the last three seasons, and we have not finished in the top 25 in any of those seasons. Insane. Shot before you continue. 
Just a reminder, at some point this season, North Carolina was ranked ahead of Alabama. Ahead of Alabama. I I was at that game. I mean, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, like, but I was watching with my own eyes. Like, we're 10-0. We beat Miami. Or not 10-0, 6-0. Top 10 in the country. Beat Miami. We're rolling. We got some players. Like, and then we just – like the, the thing I guess that bothers me about coach Brown is like, he changes his expectation of the season as the season goes along. Yeah. Like preseason, he's like ACC champions sneak into the playoff. You know, here we are, you know, mid season. It's like, and then after the last game, it's like, Oh, we're at eight wins. It's hard to win eight here. Like, bro, a couple of weeks ago, you just said, we're trying to win the national championship. We're trying to win the ACC. Like, we can't change our expectations as fans. We can do it. And I think we can do it on the other end in terms of like, if we have low expectations going into the season and we, our team starts, you know, like what happened in 2022, um, you know, we had low expectations or not great expectations going into the season and our team starts winning and winning and showing flashes. So like we change our expectations, like our team should win or compete in the ACC championship. But for a head coach to do it, I just – I don't think that's – that ain't it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, here's what I truly think UNC can become and, and what they are. Um, I I don't think UNC will ever be Georgia, Bama, you know, Texas, Ohio State, et cetera. I, I think what we are is a consistent, you know – our, our average year should be seven and five. You know, I think we, we can sneak above that eight and four, nine and three, nine and three. And then once every four years, I think, you know, just based off recruits and coaching and, and, you know, the talent that we get in the recruiting class, I think like once every four years, we should be able to, in, in the current state of college football with, with the current ACC, I think once every four years, we should be 11 and one and expecting to win the ACC championship. I don't think it's realistic that we can compete every year for the ACC championship. I just don't. And we've never shown we could do that. But I do think at bare minimum, we should be seven and five every year, eight and four, nine and three, 10 and two, 10 and two, maybe back again. And then we have that one season once every three or four years where we are expected or competing for the ACC championship. And then maybe take it to another level, but for us to consistently be, you know, 10 win team, I, I don't believe it, but um, people might disagree with me, but we haven't shown it in our history of our program. So, you know, I, I don't want to say accept mediocrity. Like that's not what I'm saying. I just like, I'm, and I'm not telling the fans to change their expectations on Carolina football. I just like, I think that's what UNC is. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh... and, and I th- I think part of the problem is, yes, this team finished eight and five, and and eight wins isn't like uh, something that has happened with with regularity at Carolina. It it's the way that they stumbled into the eight wins, and their 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 body is just getting dragged across the finish line in humiliating fashion time and time again where where they start 6 and 0 and they finish 2 and 5 to close the season and one of those wins was against the Campbell Camels who right now uh, on one one limp knee I think I could go out there 
and 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 drag you to a, a win against Campbell. Um, but yeah, I, I think I I also have a part uh, a problem with like you said with Mac Brown changing the expectations as the year goes on because like you I I was super high when this team was six and zero because you you have the best quarterback in college football you have a dynamic number one receiver in Tez Walker you have one of the best running backs in the country in Omar and Hampton you have a defense that doesn't have to be great but has enough talent in your recruiting rankings to be like oh they've been recruiting at a top 25 level like maybe this is the year they finally put it together and even though I was as high as as people could get on this team after those first six wins the second they started showing cracks in the Virginia game and the Georgia Tech game you could clearly tell like okay this 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 really wasn't a, a 6 and 0 top 10 football team and they're they're a lot closer to being this unranked team than they are being um this this national contender and you you go into the season where where um they're saying like nine wins isn't enough anymore like this is a team that should win 10 wins you you have Drake May you have all the skill positions i mentioned and there was there was talk of ACC ACC championship, you know, sneaking into the playoff, and then when when they they hit their first sign of adversity, you have the coach saying, oh, "Well, this is also a fan base that hasn't really won that much, so like they 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 should be happy with like an eight nine win season, where it's like like it, there just doesn't feel like there's like any accountability there. There doesn't feel like any like self-reflection and be like oh it's the coaches we're, we're putting these players in bad positions because how many teams in the country would kill to have omar and hampton in their backfield how many teams in the country would kill to have cedric ray leading their defense or, or drake may at quarterback there's about if if there's 130 fbs teams 125 at least would trade their quarterback today to have drake may tomorrow and it's like it's just like a changing of the goalpost. And I, I think this team has shown this team has reflected its head coach where adversity hits and, and they don't know how to handle it. And when things get hard, see. we are, we just, when the going go gets tough, shell. we go, when, when the shell. going gets tough, Carolina gets going. And that's, yep. that's the MO. And you, you see it where, where this West Virginia team punks them with, with fake field goals, this NC state team punks them with, with their, their post locker room antics and, you know, having just no respect for, for the North Carolina program where it's like, why, why should an NC state team that's beat you, beaten you the past three years. And when they, when they hit you in the mouth, you, you retreat or when adversity hits and and you retreat, like these are the same things we say about Miami. Like Miami is a front running program. You, You put them in some adversity and they'll fold. Like this North Carolina team was a top 10, top 15 team this season. And now we're sitting here talking about them finishing the year one in five against power five opponents. And it's, it's just disheartening. It's, it's, um, and and really what I think where it highlights it is the, the lack of, um, the lack of, interest going into the next season that, that you kind of talked about where you really don't have anything to hang your hat on. 
lot of people are looking at this team and maybe the schedule is easy. You really don't know if the schedule is easy in the transfer portal era and really just college football in general before uh, you kick games off. But like there's nothing to get excited about. And like the message it sends to about the program that Carolina plays this Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, practically in UNC's backyard. And it looks like a West Virginia home game because the care from the fan base has just been, it's just been beaten out of the fan base where, where that level of apathy is kicking in to where fans are saying, why should I spend $150 on game tickets? Why should I spend $300 on a hotel to, to see this team where the, the, my counter would be the players who are putting in the work every day deserve support. They, they, they deserve, I, I remember what it was like being in that locker room when we're not winning and, and people aren't going to the games and, as a player who puts in the work every day, like it hurts, but I, I think the fans are, are are sending a message to the powers that be and, and UNC's athletic department to be like, this is just not acceptable. Like this game is in North Carolina's backyard and we do not want to spend a dollar to, to see them. We would rather sit at home in the comfort of our own home and either watch the game from TV where we could shut it off after the first play when they go for 75 yards, or we could just not watch the game at all. And I, I think for a fan base that does care about football as much as the North Carolina fan base does, when you look at the numbers from 24 seven and like inside Carolina has a, a huge football message board and a huge part of their fan base that cares, that makes them the number one team side on 24 seven. Like you're, you're beating the care out of it. Yeah, I think it's less – look, obviously I, losing is, is terrible. I think it's less about the actual loss and more about how we're losing. Yeah. Like, watch the NC State game. Like, I promise you if you grab random UNC Joe Schmo fan off the off the, the side of Franklin Street and put him in that game, like, he's going to have more fight than some of our players did. They care more than our players seem to care in, in those couple games. Like, that's what, like – irks me is just like the way we're losing we're like there's just no juice in on from the guys from the coaches from the sidelines it's just like we got the life sucked out of us after Miami you know I I don't know I'm not around the facility I haven't been around the facility in two years I don't know what the mood is but like it it damn sure isn't good there's no positivity radiating from our program and you know, once you go stale, once you go flat, especially in this era of college football, like changes have to be made. Yep. I'm not I'm not calling for anyone's head. Like that's not my job. But every coach has an expiration date. And we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. That's that's the beauty of the game, is it is a it's showbiz, it's it's production, you know. It's you have to produce like you have to produce to to earn your keep, to earn your salary, to earn your position, earn your right to to be, you know, the guy. And that's at, it's at every level of the football program. It's recruiting, it's the players, it's the coaches, it's the strength staff, it's the nutrition staff. You have to bring it every day. And you are judged. They don't care if you're a nice person or what. All they care about is if you produce and if you win. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, look, look at Bill Belichick. He's the greatest NFL coach arguably of all time, and people are calling for his head. If, if people can come come after him, like, then no one's safe. You know, I guess Saban's is the one defying all odds. But, like, look, every coach has an expiration date. Like, 
it's it's uh you know i think we all got to look ourselves in the mirror and see you know you know what's truly best for ourselves and not only for ourselves but like the program in general the direction of the program the players the coaches so um yeah it's it's just as a it's a flat time is a flat circle i guess it's not yeah. like the same the last you know couple of years so yeah man it feels like we, we, we it feels like we do the same podcast every uh every start of the new year and a couple of days from now we'll have coaching changes to probably talk about and this and that and we'll, we'll talk about a one and four finish to, to close the year and a loss to stay loss in a, a bowl game if, if they can make it to a bowl game because it it, it does truly feel like a, a program that's trending in the wrong direction and that the in 2019 they were able to hang their hat on okay we're, we're the shiny new object we're going to get recruits we're going to get the best kids from from the state and you know when when you lose three straight games to your biggest rival when you don't show the ability to develop talent or or build depth or look like a program that that fights when when adversity hits you're not going to be able to keep hanging your hat on on top 25 recruiting classes uh no matter what team you are so um yeah it's yeah just it's just trending trending in the wrong direction i think that's all we got Vip. yeah i think uh... i i we said for for people who are looking for a look behind the curtain and how this is made we said we were planning on talking for 30 minutes today. I'm looking at the timer and I can see where I can see we're in the 50s. So as we wrap up, let me give one last big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. They are empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people, and they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. And Congruity is obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn more about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners and viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. Shopman, appreciate the time this football season. Appreciate everybody watching and listening. And uh, th- that yeah, that's it. That's any closing remarks, Jeff. You know, I, I don't know where my podcasting future goes. Um, I want to say it's been a fun two-year run if this is, you know, my, my retirement party. But I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I love UNC with all my heart, but it's hard to talk about them sometimes. Vip, you've been great. It's been been a pleasure to talk after every game. More so, it was more pleasurable early in the year. But the first half, uh, you know, I we really I really appreciate all the listeners and you know hearing the feedback from you guys. It's I'm still going to be around. I haven't committed to next year, (laughs) 
We'll see. But you're in the portal. I, I might go in the, in the uh, podcast portal. I might be the first one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, and happy New Year to everyone. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. I'm at my grandma's house right now in North Carolina, Goldsboro, North Carolina. Uh, it, you can tell that I got some grandma curtains behind me. Uh, but it, it's great being back in the Tar Heel State. It, it kind of pissed me off. I landed in RDU last night, and, you know, you're walking up to baggage claim, and the first thing you see is it's like home of the wolf pack. And I'm like, what are we doing? We're getting <laughs> we're getting whooped on the field and in recruiting and – at the airport so <laughs> we're gonna need to step up the uh the nil to get you to come back in, in the portal but shopman appreciate you as always appreciate everybody watching and listening and uh hope everybody had a happy holidays and a happy new year if you want to win your fantasy football league it starts right now the off season is the best time to get ahead of the competition we'll help you win your league on the fantasy football today podcast part of cbs sports podcast network Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.